Thank you for tuning in to Dream City Omaha Online. We hope you like this message and that it has an impact on your life. Don't forget to like and subscribe for more. All right, so we're going to get into the book of Revelation. Before we do, let's pray real quick. Lord, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you that, that every, every part of your word has been inspired by you. Inspired by your spirit, written by men over the course of thousands of years, 66 books written by different individuals in different time periods, and yet every one of them succinctly points to you. And Lord, as we study your word today, and as we, 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 we end this, this, this reading plan, we thank you for what you've accomplished in us this year. I thank you, Lord, for the hunger for your word that you've developed in your church this year. Lord, as we, as we, we finish that and we read the culmination of that and we, we look at the book of Revelation and, and talk about end times, Lord, I pray that, that you would open the eyes of our understanding. I pray that you would, you would fill us with hope, that you would fill us with strength, that you would fill us with courage to be able to endure. Lord, I, I submit this time to you, and I just want to get out of the way and allow you to, to, to have your way. Do what you want to do. Say what you want to say in Jesus' name. And everybody say amen. amen. One good thing about having one service is I'm not on a time restraint, and so there's no second service coming in after this. And so if you turn around, you'll see at the bottom of that screen, it says 15 minutes, and it's counting down to when service in theory should be over. But because there's no second service, we can just go ahead and, and run through that, right? Yeah. All right. Good. I'm, I'm glad we're all on the same page. Some of you are like, my team plays at noon, so whether you're done or not, I'm out of here. Um, that's between you and Jesus. But... As we, as we look at the book of Revelation and as we talk about the book of Revelation, uh, there's, there's several things that I want you to understand about the book of Revelation. I'm, we're not going to dive into the, the nitty gritty. We're not going to get into all of the, the seals and the trumpets and the bowls and what does this mean and what does this image represent. We're not, we don't have time to get into all of that today. I want to give you kind of a, a flyby, like Maverick style. The pattern is not full this morning, and we are going to buzz the tower today. And so we're, we're just going to kind of run through it, give you the, the, the zoomed out perspective, if you will. And as we've been reading through the Bible, we need to understand that, that everything we've read up until this point in this chronological plan has been leading to to this time, to the book of Revelation, to these prophecies of what is going to come and, and ultimately culminating with Jesus's second coming, the establishment of his millennial reign and the creation of a new heaven and a new earth. And we'll get to that here in a second, but we need to understand that everything we've done and everything we've read up until this point is, is been leading us to that. And in fact, Revelation, really the first thing I want you to know is that Revelation is the culmination. It's really the, the culmination of the battle that began way back in Genesis chapter 3 in the Garden of Eden. Because if you'll remember, the, the Lord put, put Adam and Eve in the garden and he gave them every plant to eat except for that one. 
Don't eat from that tree because if you eat from it, you will surely die. The serpent comes along and says, did God really say that? Surely you won't die. Deceives Eve. She takes the fruit, gives some to her husband. In that moment, sin and with it death entered the world. And in Genesis chapter three, God comes to the garden, finds them hiding with clothing that they've made to cover their nakedness because their eyes were opened. And, and he asks, who told you that? Who told you that you were naked? And he, he pronounces curses at this time. He pronounces a curse over the man. Now you will have to work the, the land to get crop, to get food from it. He announces a, a curse on the woman. Now paint childbirth will be, will be painful for you. He curses the earth. There will be thorns and thistles in the earth now. He announces a curse on the serpent. And in Genesis chapter three, we, we see the, the announcement of this battle being waged. Verse 15, God says, I will put enmity between you, speaking to the serpent, between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring, he shall bruise your head and you will bruise his heel. The enemy bruising his heel is, is prophetic of Jesus' death. But we, we look to the resurrection as the time when Jesus crushed the head of the serpent, but there's, there's a, another fulfillment of that prophecy when Jesus comes back and locks away Satan and his, his, his minions for eternity. And so there's, there's a fulfillment partially, but then one day there will be an ultimate fulfillment. And when we see this in Genesis, we have to understand as we read Revelation, all we're seeing is the end of the battle that began on page two of our Bible. Really, that's what's happening. And it's a battle we've seen played out in, in the course of scripture. We, we see the, the enemy now worried about the seed of the woman who is going to come and bring destruction upon him. And so he, he through Cain, seeks to kill Abel because if he can kill Abel, maybe he can stop the seed from coming to pass. We see it again as, as Esau seeks to kill his brother Jacob, who from Jacob, the 12 tribes of Israel will come. And from the nation of Israel, Jesus will be born. We see Saul trying to kill King David because of the, the prophecy that from King David's line will come one who will sit on his throne for, forever and rule all of the nations. That hasn't happened yet. It will happen at Jesus's second coming. And so throughout the, the scripture, we've seen this battle between Satan, our enemy, and, and, and God and his chosen people because of the prophecy and the curse that was announced in Genesis chapter 3. So everything that we've read has been leading us to this moment. To understand Revelation, you have to understand the battle that you're engaged in. And it's a battle that didn't stop at the resurrection, and it's a battle that is still going on today in our hearts and in the spiritual. And just because you can't see it physically doesn't mean that it doesn't manifest itself physically. And just because you can't see it with your eyes doesn't mean that you're not involved in it. Ephesians tells us, Paul writes, and he says, we, we battle not against flesh and blood but against principalities and rulers of the darkness of this world. There's this spiritual battle that we are engaged in that began in the garden and has been playing out through the course of human history and will culminate with the second coming of Jesus Christ. So you have to understand the battle, but, but to understand Revelation, you also have to understand the Old Testament. And you have to have read the Old Testament. There are 404 verses in the book of Revelation. And in those 404 verses, there are over 300 pictures, idioms, or references to the Old Testament. 
We see things in Revelation, and as you read Revelation, it should jog your memory to things that we saw in the Old Testament. For example, in in Revelation chapter 4, John is given this vision of worship that is taking place around the throne of God. And he said, around the throne, I saw four four living creatures. One of them was like an eagle. One of them was an ox. One of them was a man. One of them was a lion. Does that ring any bells to us? In Ezekiel chapter one, the prophet Ezekiel was given a vision of, of these same creatures, these same beings. And now we see them again in the book of Revelation. In Revelation chapter 12, we're told about a woman who is clothed with the sun and with the moon and with 12 stars. Where have we seen a sun, a moon, and 12 stars before? Who is this woman signifying that is clothed clothed with sun, moon, 12 stars? Where have we seen that in scripture? We saw it in Genesis as Joseph was given a dream. And he said, I saw the sun and the moon and I saw 11 stars signifying his 11 brothers and they all bowed down to worship me. What, so, so what is this woman who is clothed, is clothed with sun, moon, and stars? It's, it's the nation of Israel. It's the people of God. As you continue to read, you'll see that this woman is preparing to give birth, but there's a dragon who's trying to, to take this son as she gives birth, but is, is unable to because the child is born and, and goes to heaven and sits on the throne of God. And one day will come to rule with an iron rod. We know that to be Jesus. Where did Jesus come from? Jesus came from the people of Israel. So there are pictures in the book of Revelation that if we understand the Old Testament should jog our memory to go back to the Old Testament because when John is giving these these visions, the, the lens that he is viewing this through and the lens through which God is communicating to him is one of understanding of the prophets and of the Old Testament. So he's giving it to John in a way that he understands and can put it together and then communicate it to other believers who have an understanding of the Old Testament as well. So you need to understand that Revelation is not just a standalone book. It's not not just a one-off on its own that we we get to the end and it's like, well, I don't understand Revelation, so I'm not going to read it. No, read it, but read it with an understanding of what's happening and what's taking place in the Old Testament as well. There are, 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 are so many references to the second coming of Christ in the Old Testament. In fact, did you know that there are more, there are more scriptures, more passages in the Old Testament that prophesy Jesus' second coming than there are that prophesy his first coming. There's more scripture in the Old Testament dedicated to the second coming of Christ than there were to his birth of a virgin and him coming as the Messiah. See, when he first came, he came meek and mild as we celebrated just this last week and put on humanity and was placed in a manger and born to a virgin, a teenage girl. But when Jesus comes the second time, he won't come meek and mild. He will be coming as a conquering king to bring with him judgment. And so there are, there are more references in the Old Testament to his second coming than to his first. If you want to know more, we don't have time, but read the, the second half of the book of Daniel. Uh, read a lot of Isaiah, Jeremiah. In fact, all of the major prophets and a lot of the minor prophets have references to either his second coming or the millennial reign that we find in the book of Revelation. So we, we need to understand that Revelation is not standalone, that, that re- Revelation is really a culmination of what we began and what we started reading January of 2022. But as we get into Revelation, I also want you to understand that, that, 
The book of Revelation wasn't written to scholars. It wasn't written to people who, who had Bible college degrees. It was written to everyday ordinary believers. And it wasn't written to confuse them. It wasn't written to, to start arguments among them. It was written to encourage them, to give them hope, and to, to fill them with anticipation and excitement for what was going to come. So if it was written to everyday ordinary followers of Jesus with the intention of them understanding it, then today as ordinary everyday followers of Jesus, we need to understand that there, there are parts of Revelation that, that should bring understanding and hope and encouragement and courage to us today. So it's not just for people smarter than you. Revelation is written for you and for your benefit. It's the culmination of, of the battle that, that was started in the beginning. The second thing I want you to understand about the book of Revelation is this. How you read it determines what you see in it. How you read it determines what you see in it. Now, what do you mean by that, Pastor John? Here's what I mean by that. There are, are some people who who won't read Revelation because it's confusing. There are some people who won't read it because it causes contention among believers. Is it pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib? We'll, we'll talk briefly on some of that stuff today. Um, there are, are some that don't want to read it because it's a scary book. Now listen, I, 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 <laughs> I understand that. There are parts of Revelation that read more like a Lord of the Rings movie than... Then scripture, you've got beasts coming out of seas with seven heads and 10 horns and crowns on these heads. And it's like, what in the world is happening? And then there's dragons and there's like, there's a lot that's, there's a lot that's going on. And so, so some of us won't read it because it's like, well, it's, 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 it scares me. But the book of Revelation should not frighten you. If you are a follower of Jesus and your name is written in the book of life, then it should not scare you, but it should encourage you. It should bring you hope as you read it. As followers, there's nothing to be scared of in Revelation. And so if you read it and you're scared, I would encourage you to change your perspective. There are some that, that think that the book of Revelation is, is about the Antichrist. We get so fixated on the Antichrist and what is the mark of the beast and is it this and is it that and is it you know RFID chips and they're going to put chips in our hand and there are hundreds of hours of conspiracy videos on YouTube dedicated to this subject. How do you know, Pastor John? Because I've watched them all. <laughs> and so we can read it and we can we can overemphasize the beast and we can overemphasize the false prophet and we can overemphasize those aspects of the book of Revelation and what it teaches and tells us uh, about that time period and that time to come. But what we have to understand is the book of Revelation is not about the Antichrist. And the purpose of the book of Revelation is not to reveal who the Antichrist is. Or what the mark of the beast is. That's not the purpose of the book. The purpose of the book of Revelation is to reveal Jesus Christ. As with all scripture, the purpose of scripture is to reveal Jesus Christ. In Revelation, as equally inspired and profitable to us, the purpose 
is to reveal Jesus Christ. We see it in chapter one, verse one of Revelation. The revelation of Jesus Christ doesn't start by saying this is the revelation of the Antichrist. It doesn't start by saying this is the revelation of the, the mark of the beast or of the tribulation or it says this is the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show to his servants the things that must soon take place. Now that word must soon, there are some people that like, well, that was written in, in like 95 AD. So it's been, you know, 2000 years since then. What, what does soon mean? First of all, we don't know what soon means to God, but when you understand this in the, 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 the literal language, what this means is not soon from now, but once these events start happening, they will happen in rapid succession. They will soon take place. So that's what he's saying. They must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant, John, John's writing, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of what Jesus Christ. Again, it's about Jesus, even to show all that he saw. Now, this is for you. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. You want to be blessed? Read Revelation aloud. There's a whole list of beatitudes in the gospel of Matthew and Jesus during the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are, there are beatitudes in the book of Revelation as well. Did you know that? Blessed is he who endures. Blessed is, there are, there are like seven or eight blessed are statements that are found in Revelation. Here's one of them. Blessed are those who read the words of this prophecy and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it for the time is near. So how you read it, how you approach it determines what you're going to see in it. Now, as we, as we, we, we think about revelation, we very often and, and understandably will think that revelation is about the end. Revelation is a prophecy about the end. Can I tell you that, that yes, Yes, there is an end and the end of the, the world as we know it, the end of sin and the end of suffering and God is gonna come and judge the earth and, and those on it. But, but Revelation, really, the, the grand scheme of it all is not a prophecy about the end, but it's a prophecy about a new beginning. Like really, that's what Revelation is about. It's about a new beginning. And so if you don't want to read it because you don't want to get freaked out about the end times, then don't get freaked out about the end times. But read it knowing that you're reading a prophecy about a beginning that is yet to come, that will usher in his kingdom on this earth like we've never seen, experienced, or could even imagine it. As we read the, the book of Revelation, there's, I'll just give you a, an outline really quickly. Chapter one is a vision of Jesus and, and Jesus is there and he's, he's got seven stars in his hand and he's surrounded by seven lampstands. And he tells John what this means. He says, these lampstands are the seven churches and the stars are the angels of these churches. So chapter one is really self-explanatory. At the end of chapter one, he tells, Jesus tells John, write down the things that you've seen that are happening now and the things that are yet to happen. So we have to understand that in the book of Revelation, there are things that he says that are happening now in that time. And then there are prophecies that he makes about things that are yet to happen and visions that he sees. What are the things that are happening now? Chapters two and three. 
In Revelation chapter 2 and 3, John writes letters to these seven churches, seven actual historical churches. He writes a letter to the church in Ephesus. He writes a letter to the church in Smyrna, to, to, to the church in Laodicea, to the church in Philadelphia, not Pennsylvania, but Philadelphia was an ancient city in Turkey at the time. So don't like, he wrote to the church in Philly, like that's not what, no. Um, Philadelphia was an ancient city in modern-day Turkey. And so he writes letters to these churches. Now, now it's profitable for us to read those letters because they, they were, they're letters that were applicable to a historical group of people back then, but they're also applicable to us as the church and to us as individuals as the church. So there's really three ways that we can, we can read that and take that and digest that. What did that mean for that group of people? How does that apply to us today as the church? Have we left our first love? Are we lukewarm? Are we patiently enduring? All of those things written in, in those seven letters to those seven churches. And then as an individual, as, as individuals who make up the church, what is that, what is that like and was it speaking to my heart? Have I left my first love? Are you, are you following me? So chapters two and three, he's writing letters to these seven churches. In chapters four and five, we, we see this worship scene, this worship service in heaven that is around God's throne. And then in chapter six, we get to the good stuff. <laughs> chapters six through chapter 18 deals with a seven-year period of time that is known as the tribulation. And, and it's this time where, where these judgments are being poured out in heaven and they're, they're being poured out on the earth. It's, it's, it's really like, it's not just a bad day. And it's not just like, this is a bad year. But it's like, you don't want to be here for this. Like there, you know, there are, there are stars falling out of heaven and falling to the earth. There are, are stars falling in the ocean and causing the oceans and the rivers to turn to blood. There are, are locusts that are released from the earth that have the, the teeth of a lion and crowns on their head and scorpion tails that are given permission to sting those that aren't followers of Jesus. Like it's a third of the sun goes dark, a third of the moon goes dark, a third of the stars go dark. There's a period of darkness. Like there are things and judgments that are being poured out on the earth during this period of time that, that even Jesus says during that time, it will be unlike any other time that has been. So like World War I was bad, worse than that. World War II was bad. The Holocaust was bad. Worse than that. COVID-19 will look like a cakewalk. It will look like a day in the park compared to the judgments and the pestilences and the diseases and the famines that are poured out on the earth during this period of time. And then the question comes up, okay, well, is the church going to be here for that? And that's when you get into really some of, the, some of the real debate that takes place around the book of Revelation because there's pre-tribulationism, mid-trib, and then post-tribulationism, which essentially is, is eschatologically looking at, and that's just a fancy way of saying the study of the end times. So like, I'm not that smart, but there are debates that, that, that take place between whether the church will be raptured and taken off of the earth before the tribulation begins. Some that a minority, a small group of people that believe that it will happen at the, at the midway point of the tribulation, three and a half years in. 
or at the end of the tribulation at Jesus' second coming. Now, if you came here today for me to tell you if Jesus is coming back before the tribulation or after the tribulation, here's my answer. Are you ready? Some, some of you ask, Pastor John, are you pre-trib? Are you post-trib? Here's my response to the, to the pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib debate. My response and my personal conviction in the way that I'm living my life and leading my family is as such. Prepare for, or pray for pre, but prepare for post. Because at the end of the day, I could stand up here and I could take the next three hours and make a solid biblical case for either pre-tribulation rapture or post-tribulation rapture. And at the end of the day, we don't know. It's just something for us to talk about. But what we, what we had better be is ready. Because if it is pre, and if we are, the, if the church, the bride of Christ is taken from the earth before the tribulation begins. See, I, I, I didn't tell pre or post. And so they're like, I'm out. I want my money. I'm just kidding. I'm just, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. We haven't even got to the millennial reign yet. I'm messing with you, bro. You know that. But if it is pre and Jesus is coming back to take his church before this seven year period begins, you're gonna wanna make sure you're with that first group. <laughs> I don't wanna be around here for locusts with heads of lions and tails of scorpions. I don't, I don't wanna be here for none of that. But I better prepare in case I am. Are you following me? So there's this debate that takes place and from chapter six through 18, we see the tribulation on the earth. Uh, we see seven seal judgments, seven trumpet judgments, seven bull judgments, 21 total judgments are poured out on the earth. There's, there's four ways that people will, will interpret prophecies and specifically prophecies during this period of time in the book of Revelation. And I want to give them to you just really quickly so you have an understanding. Uh, there, there's there's preterism, preterism, which, which essentially is the belief that all of the prophecies about the tribulation from, from chapter 6 to 18 happened during the first century AD under the, the kingdom of Rome. And so there's this belief that all of this has already taken place. Okay. I I don't, I don't lean that way. Most of the early church fathers leaned that way. Most of them were either, either leaned that way or the, the next way, which is historicism, which says that, that these, these prophecies have been fulfilled throughout history through, through, through human events and through human people. And we just, don't, we just don't know the fulfillment, but they've already been fulfilled. Most of them, Luther was this way. But, but you have to understand that in the 1500s and the 1600s, there are things that are talked about in the, the tribulation that they would have had no way of even comprehending at this time. Like a one world government and a, and a one world religion was completely out of their frame of reference and their way of thinking in that day. So for them, like, how is this possible? How could this ever be? So, so they interpreted it in a way that says, well, this must have already taken place at some point in history. I think if anything that COVID-19 showed us is that if you want to get the world's population to do anything, it's really not that hard. Like if you just scare them a little bit, they will run out and buy all the toilet paper that the world has ever known. If you just give them, if you just give them a little something to be afraid of, you can get them to do 
pretty much anything you want them to do. And so when we think about globalism and one world economy and one world religion, it's not that difficult for us today to think about somebody rising to power as the Antichrist in, in, in instituting this system where if you don't have his mark or his name, then you can't buy or sell or trade. Like, it's very easy. In 1500s, it would have been like, I don't understand that. I can't comprehend that. I can't wrap my mind around that. So there's no way that's, for us today, it's like, uh, that appears to be right around the corner. So there's preacherism, there's, there's historicism, there's idealism, which basically means that the prophecies are only symbolic, not to be taken literally. I, I don't subscribe to that. The, the last is what I subscribe to, which is futurism which says that the, the prophecies given from Revelation chapter 6 through Revelation chapter 18 are all literal events that will in the future literally take place and they're waiting for a literal fulfillment of these prophecies. Listen, here's, here's the reason why. If every one of the prophecies of Christ's first coming were fulfilled literally, why should we then not believe that all the prophecies about his second coming will be fulfilled literally as well? So that's, I'm not saying you have to believe that. If you don't, you would be in good company if you believed one of those other ways. And, and, and at the end of the day, it's one of those things where it's like, I don't know. I know what I believe. I know, I know my conviction. I know the way that I read it and the way that I personally have interpreted it. And as your pastor, I am telling you that as far as this church goes and this body goes, that is what I will teach and that is how I will lead because that's what the Holy Spirit has revealed to me. But if you feel led a different direction, I'm not gonna, like, I'm not gonna, it doesn't make you less Christian or less, stop it. We get into these arguments and that's not, that's for a future message. But anyway, so 6 through 18 is about the, the tribulation. Chapter 19 is Jesus' second coming. It's, it's really, if you haven't read it yet, uh, it's a beautiful, beautiful picture. I want to read just a little bit of it. Can I, can I do that for you today? Revelation 19, this is Jesus' second coming. I, I don't, didn't get it to the team, so we don't have it on the screen, so you just have to take my word for it or read it in your Bible. It says, Then I saw heaven open, and a white horse was standing there. Its rider was named Faithful and True, for he judges fairly and wages a righteous war. His eyes were like flames of fire, and on his head were many crowns. A name was written on him that no one understood except himself. He wore a robe dipped in blood, and his title was the Word of God. The armies of heaven dressed in the finest of pure white linen followed him on white horses. From his mouth came a sharp sword to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron rod. Again, Revelation chapter four, the woman gave birth to a son who would rule with an iron rod. That's how we know it is Jesus. That was free. He will release the fierce, fierce wrath of God, the almighty, like juice flowing from a wine press. And on his robe at his thigh was written this title, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And that is what it will look like when Jesus comes back the second time. Now, is the church going to be here at that time? It depends. If you're a post-trib person, then you believe yes. If you're a pre-trib person, then you believe that we're going to be a part of that army that is behind him with white linens and on white horses and coming to, to judge the Antichrist and those who are left on the earth. 
Again, I can make a case. We're not going to get too deep into that. But in chapter 19, we see the second coming. In chapter 20, we see the millennial, the millennial reign. It's a thousand-year reign of Christ. Six times in, in the first few verses of chapter 20, it mentions a thousand years. Some people believe that to be an indeterminate amount of time. Some people take it literally as in this thousand years. What we do know is going to happen, not just from Revelation, but from the Old Testament prophets, is that creation, the earth, will be returned to its pre-fall state. So the way that God designed and intended creation to work and to run creation, the earth as we are currently on it will be returned to that state. In the prophets, it talks about children who will be playing next to cobra's dens and the venomous snakes won't be venomous anymore. And the lions and the leopards are gonna be friends with the sheep. And so there's this, there's this harmony with which God created the earth and intended it to function that, that the earth will be redeemed and restored to during this thousand year reign of Christ on this earth. At the end of that thousand year reign, the, the enemy will be released from, from hell. He's been, he's, been, he's been locked in hell. He can't roam the earth. He can't deceive. He can't do any of that during this thousand years. At the end of that thousand years, he will be released. There will be one final judgment on him. And then there will be a new heaven and a new earth. And the Bible ends with cheer and rejoicing. If you haven't read the book of Revelation, that was the book of Revelation in 20 some odd minutes. Now, there's so much in there. There's so much there that we can get into. We're not going to today. I promise you this year we will have a series on Revelation where we can unpack some of these ideas and we can unpack some of these concepts. But I wanted you to have a basic understanding of the book of Revelation, either as you've read it and maybe we're confused about some things, maybe hopefully today you're not leaving more confused than you were when you came in. There's, there's a lot of good resources. If you want more resources on the book of Revelation, either email me, call the church office. Maybe we'll put together a list and put it on the app for you. Um, good books and people that I trust and, and things that I've read that I would encourage you if you're interested in this idea or this, this, this time period to, to go and read yourself. But the question that, that we have to ask is, okay, in light of all of this, and yes, there is this, this second coming of Jesus that throughout scriptures we are told to look forward to with eager excitement and anticipation. And, and as Jesus walked the earth, many times he said, you know, you need to make sure that you're ready because it's going to come in a time where you don't, you don't know when it's coming. And, and he, you know, he told parables about the bridesmaids who were left and those who came in. And one man was in a field, one was taken, one was left. And time and time again, he, he, he he specifically said the time, no, no man knows the hour or the day, only the Father in heaven. And so for us to sit and, and try and guess and try and, 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 and write down dates, listen, guessing and writing down dates is, is a game that has been played since the first century AD. And every one of those times and dates has come and gone and people have readjusted their calendars and it was Y2K. And then it was when the Mayan calendar ended in 2012. And I really thought that 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 was it. But then that came and went, and there's all these different things. Listen, like, I'm for real. All of these things came and went. You think I'm joking. I saw it on YouTube. <laughs> 
But for us to sit and talk about dates, like it's not gonna, it's not gonna benefit us. But what we do need to understand is we need to make sure regardless of when that date is and when he's coming, if it happens in our lifetime or the lifetime of our children's or our grandchildren, we need to make sure that we are ready and that everybody around us is ready. And as followers of Jesus today, what do I do with Revelation? Here's what you do with the book of Revelation. You stay ready and you get others ready. Like that's your mandate. Okay, there's beasts and there's angels and there's bulls and there's trumpets and there's stars and there's famine and there's plagues. What do I do? Make sure that you're ready. And if you're ready, then make sure that everybody around you is ready as well. Matthew chapter 24, here's what what Jesus said when he was asked, what's the end gonna look like? He said, you two must keep watch for you don't know what day your Lord is coming. You also must be ready all the time. The son of man will come when you least expect it. Are you ready? And I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna give you like the, if Jesus came back right now, Because I grew up, like when I grew up sitting on the front row of a church where I got saved every week. (laughs) Not even joking. If you got in a car accident on your way home, would you go to heaven? Like, I don't know, but Lord, save me. And I'm not saying, listen, if you grew up in it, I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with that, but I'm I'm just saying, like, that's not what I'm going to do. But I am going to to challenge you and to charge you to evaluate your heart and evaluate your life and ask yourself the question, if Jesus did come back today, would I be ready? If it is pre-tribulation and he comes back for the church, because in 1 Thessalonians it says the church is not appointed to wrath, and so uh, we must be missing out on all of the wrath that happens. And if that's the case, am I going to be ready? Are the people around me going to be ready? John chapter six, Jesus again is speaking. He says, it's my father's will that that all who see his son and believe in him should have eternal life. I will raise them up at the last day. So as Jesus is talking about the last day, as Jesus is talking about these things, he's, he's communicating to them in a way that says, you need to make sure that you're ready and do everything that you can to make sure that the people around you are ready as well. As followers of Jesus, that is our mandate. Now, give me two more minutes and I'll be done. Does that sound good? I wish I had more time, but I don't. So what does that that mean for us as a church? Um, As I've been praying and and Angel and I have been praying and, and we've been talking, we've been seeking the Lord. It's like, okay, God, what's 2023 look like for us? Really what 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 I'm sensing, what I've really gotten from God is coming out of COVID. COVID did a great job of revealing whatever was hiding just beneath the surface in our lives. Like if, if your marriage on the outside was good, but underneath was a little shaky, then COVID made sure to bring that shakiness to the surface real quick. Spending three weeks in quarantine together nonstop and the kids are at home and can't go to school. Like, that's a, that's a good way to bring tension and strength. If there, was, if there was shallow faith in your life and COVID came, it, it was very quick to reveal the content of whatever was in your heart and in your life. And it was a devastating time for a lot of people, physically, emotionally, relationally, mentally, And I feel like for the last two years, and really this last year in particular, 
has been, has been God pouring the oil and the wine into us as a body of believers. And for those that remained and for those that were steadfast, now the roots that were once shallow are now firmly developed and planted. And I think part of that was going through the, the reading plan together as a church. And so there's been this, this season of let's mend our wounds. Let's make sure we're healthy. Let's, 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 let's do some inner healing first. And, and earlier this year, I preached a, a message on the, the new, the, the, the new wineskins for the new wine that is coming and really have a sense that the last couple of years were, were a season of developing and, 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 and really building those wineskins, creating those wineskins for the new wine that God was going to bring. And I really feel like 2023 is that time where the, the wineskins have been created. We've, we've done the healing. We've strengthened our faith. We've deepened our roots now is the time that God wants us to get out into the harvest. Now is the time that he wants to bring new wine. And so, so for us, this next year, the, the theme, the focus, some of you have been around enough, you remember the words for the year that have been running themes throughout. The theme for this next year is, is this. It's going to be be one, reach one. Be one, reach one. What does that mean? In Matthew chapter eight, Jesus comes to his disciples. Go ahead and put that verse up. Jesus came and he told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth, therefore go. Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching these new disciples to obey all the commands that I've given you. Who's he talking to? He's talking to his disciples. Before you can make a disciple, you first have to be a disciple. So the theme, be one, reach one, is really twofold, making sure that I myself am a disciple of Christ. And then this year, being given the mandate to go out into the harvest field and to reach one. And what I want you to pray about during this time of 21 days and this time of fasting and prayer is I want you to pray and I want you to ask God, God, give me one person. Just put one person on my heart, one person that doesn't know you. One person that is hopeless, one person that is joyless, one person who, who looking at Revelation and, and thinking about being ready, I know that they're not ready and I don't want them to go through that. I want them to have the hope and the strength and the courage that I have, that I found in you. And so my challenge to you during this time of prayer and fasting is, is ask God, God, give me one person. And then during the course of this year, I want you to invest intentionally in that relationship. Invest in that relationship. Take them to coffee. Invest in them personally. Take a genuine interest in them and in their family and how things are going for them. Some of you might be sitting here and you're like, well, Pastor John, I don't, I don't have any unsaved friends. We're going to be talking about that over the next couple of weeks and I'm going to help you make some new friends to get out of your Christian bubble because this, this command is not a suggestion. Going and making disciples is not the job of Pastor John and Pastor Angel. Do you know what my job is? My job is to equip you to do that. That's my job. And so this year, 
by faith. I'm thanking God for the harvest of souls that he's gonna bring in. Not so that we can say, look at us, but so that we can do everything we can to make heaven full and hell empty. And as we focus on being those disciples, we'll then trust that the Holy Spirit will lead us to reach new disciples as well. Amen. We're going to be unpacking that over the coming weeks. And so if, if that sounds interesting to you and you're like, yes, that strikes a chord and, and my heart is in agreement with that, would encourage you, come back next week, regular service times, 9 and 11. We'll be talking more about that and that's going to be kind of the theme of Converge, our conferences here as well. So I would invite you to stand with me this morning as we, as we pray and we dismiss. I didn't keep you too late. Look, we made it to the noon game. You can, you can still see kickoff. I didn't know if I could get through Revelation and the time allotted, and I didn't. Don't look at the clock. You don't need to know how far I went over today. But it was good. Did you learn something today? Again, wasn't able to answer all those questions. Hopefully we'll have time for that in the future. But this morning, Lord, we thank you. We thank you for, for the, the comfort that we find. Lord, even as we, as we talk about Revelation, as we read Revelation and we we. We, we look to the, the judgments and, and the wrath of God being poured out, Lord. It's something that we can, we can take comfort in, knowing that that wrath is not intended for us, but it's, to, it's to, to judge the evil that has taken place on this earth and corrupted your creation. And the purpose of your second coming and the purpose of the millennial reign is to, to reward those who have been faithful and to redeem what you've created. So Lord, we thank you for the redemption personally that we have found in Jesus Christ, that we've been redeemed to the heart of the Father. And we look forward to the redemption of creation as we return to the state in which you designed and intended it. Lord, I pray for for anybody that's here that that thinks about that and evaluates their heart and and maybe they're, they're not sure if they would be ready. I'm thankful that your word says that anybody who calls upon the name of the Lord would be saved. That if we, if we place our faith in you, that we are saved by grace through faith in Christ Jesus, if we declare you as Lord of our lives and believe that, that you rose him from the dead, that our names would be written into the book of life, that when that judgment comes and that that book is open, that our name would be found there, that we would be able to meet with you in the heavens and come back with you, whether that's at the beginning or the end of the tribulation. Lord, if we would just call upon your name, we would be saved. That our names would be written into that book of life. If there are any here today, all you have to do is believe in your heart that Jesus is who he said he was and surrender your life to him. It means not living for yourself anymore with your wants and your desires, but living according to his word and the way that he's designed you and intended you and the letters that he's given to you. Lord, today, help us to be those disciples. And this year, as you lead us into the harvest field, help us to reach those that you've given us influence in their lives. Holy Spirit, as we embark on this 21 days of fasting and prayer, I pray that you would speak clearly. Pray that you would draw near to us as we draw near to you. Lord, show us those in our lives that you would have us to to pray for daily, 
to stand in the gap for, to believe you for, to invest relationally in. That not only would our names be written in that book, but one day we would find their names written in that book as well. Go with us today. Lord, help 2023 to be the best year ever. Help us to to draw closer to you than we've ever been. But it's not that trials and, and hardships aren't going to come. Lord, if we keep our eyes on you, if we run the race that you've called us to run, we can stand firm knowing that it can be the best year ever, regardless of what comes. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. 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 God bless you. Love you, church. Happy New Year. Have a great week. At Dream City Omaha, we're all about helping each other do three things discover Christ, recover identity, and uncover purpose. Please check out our past sermon series or online discipleship classes. And don't forget to hit subscribe and the bell for notifications on all of our latest videos.